This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Say good morning. How about you say Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Kevin. I get the privilege of leading this church. And today we're here to celebrate Jesus. Amen. And uh, if I haven't got to meet you, I hope I get a chance to do so. Uh, If you're new with us this morning, we would love to invite you to fill out a connection card. Uh, They're in the chair back right in front of you, as well as you can go on on our our church app and actually scan the little QR code and it'll take you there and you can electronically do that. We'd love to be able to get connected with you in a better way. I want to remind you that January... uh, uh, 3rd, Wednesday, January 3rd is our, our, our uh, worship and prayer night, and we also have a water baptism that night. If you have not been water baptized and want to be baptized in water, if you've been baptized and want to get rebaptized, we would love you to participate in that, and you can also go to our, our, uh, our church app and get that as well. I want to uh, thank you for everybody that loved where you lived last week. We had a great turnout, and uh, you're going to see more about that next week. There's a video that's going to be seen, but thank you so much for coming and celebrating Christ around our city, uh, being, being the light of Jesus. Amen? Are you ready for, the, are you ready for a message this morning, about a message about Jesus? Uh, if, you could, if you know this with me, you, you can say it. Let me get my little props out here so that we can do our, our message today justice. Uh, but uh, we, we, know, we, know the, uh, we all know the little poem, "'Twas the night." Before Christmas, twas the day before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. What's the next line? The stockings were hung with a chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Today we talk about hope, we talk about life, and I love this idea of Christmas stockings. How many have memories of Christmas stockings? Maybe this year you're celebrating Christmas. I remember growing up in our home, Christmas stockings were a huge thing, and we lived in an old farmhouse, and up the stairway, we didn't have a mantelpiece, but up the stairway were all of our stockings with our names on them. And as our family grew, our stockings grew, and uh, no longer did we have steps enough for, for, our grandki- uh, for the grandkids to be put on, so they were smaller stockings that were attached to the bigger stockings that kind of did this chain effect down the stairs. The idea of stockings, the anticipation, all hung with this intent of care, of, of, of anticipation. You know, I don't know what you have find hope in for Christmas. You know, I, what is it that you find hope in at the Christmas season? Is it the Christmas stocking? Is it that anticipation of waking up tomorrow morning and having a stocking? Uh, one of the things that has followed us in our family is the tradition of Christmas stockings. Uh, we have our fancy ones that we hang, uh, not on a mantelpiece, but they're on a piece of furniture that hang out. These are not the ones that we put anything in because they're fancy. Anybody have just showy stockings, you know, that, 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 you, that you, don't, you don't mess up? Then we have those that, are, that we stuff full of stuff, and we no longer hang them around the, the house, but they are set on a chair. And can I tell you, we, I, I probably more than any gift uh, that, that I receive is I love Christmas stockings. I love how we've, sh- we've carried on that tradition. And I'll just tell you, my wife is a rock star stocking filler. She just, she always finds stuff that's so, so, so uh, fun and exciting. Uh, but today we have this fancy Christmas stocking. And anybody have these fancy little stocking holders that you hang around your house? Or do, how, how many have a stocking holder that you hang your stocking to? How many have realized that you can't put a whole lot of hope 
in this stocking holder. I just want you to know this is a stocking holder, not a stocking and stuff holder. How many have, how many have experienced that? You put stuff in the stocking and immediately what happens? It's going to collapse, right? Today we think about this idea of, of stockings and, and what's holding our hope, this hope that is there. And I want to ask you today, what is it that you've placed your hope in? What is it that you've placed your hope in in life in this Christmas season? What is it that you've, that you've uh, uh, anticipated and w- with excitement and with joy? This season that we talk about is the Christmas season of hope. Uh, Pastor Allie, as she got up here, talked about it being a season of joy. This word hope today, when I, I want to focus on the word hope uh, this morning. Hope, a feeling of confident expectation. A desire for something good in the future. How many have realized that all people need hope? Yes. Right? We, we, need, we, we need to have hope. We need to have an anticipation. Without hope, life is dreary. Without hope, life is depressive. Without hope, life is filled with anxiety. Without hope, there's no reason to live for tomorrow. As we look around our culture today, we can see a lot of hopelessness. We can see a lot of things that there's not uh, anticipation for. We can get distracted and deterred by so many things. Today, I want to talk about the thrill of hope. I want to look at the words of a Christmas hymn that was written in 1843, a Christmas carol, O Holy Night. I just want to read a few of the stanzas to you this morning. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The response, fall on your knees, oh, hear the angels' voices. O night divine, O night when Christ was born. O night divine, O night, O night divine. As we look at this song, as we can go back to 1843 as this song was being written, there was a truth and a depth to to the words of this song that resonate even to today. There's this words that said, long lay the world in sin and error pining. There's this, how many realize that the world is still filled with sin? That there is error that we make every single day of our lives, that we are still sinners. But it comes back to this, till he appeared and a soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope. I don't want to say a thrill of hope. A thrill of hope, a weary soul rejoices. I don't know where you're at today in your hope or hopelessness. I don't know where you're at in your weariness or in your strength. But I want to declare to you today that if you're weary today in your soul, there is a thrill of hope that can rejuvenate you. There is an anticipation that is promised to us. I love this line, a thrill of hope. Everyone been on a roller, how many been on a roller coaster here? Uh, If you've never been on a roller coaster, I want you to participate. Everyone raise your hands in the sky. Come on, this is participation. Okay, so we're, we're, if you, you know, it's that anticipation of going over the edge and we're all gonna lean to the left. Come on, lean to the left. We're all gonna lean to the right. You know, and we come up over the top and we're all like, ah, right? That thrill of hope, that thrill of anticipation, the butterflies in your stomach as you go over the loop and the, 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 the humps that are there. There's that anticipation, the thrill of the season. Now today we can look at different things that bring thrill to our life. We can look at things that bring anticipation to our lives, but how many know that those things are fleeting? 
You can't live on a roller coaster. Well, I guess you could, but, you know, I mean, but life can end up being a little bit dreary. Life can end up having some down moments in our life, and that's why it's so vital and so important that we understand that there is a thrill of hope that we can tap into. This idea of thrill, a feeling of a great excitement and a pleasure and a happiness. Christmas is declared the most wonderful time of the year, but for many people, can I tell you, it doesn't always feel that way. How many have had Christmases that just have not felt thrilling? How many have had seasons that have been a little bit less uh, climatic and exciting? How many have had those moments when the seasons of your life change and you have an empty nest and you no longer have kids around? How many have had the season where you've had brokenness in your home or maybe you've had an extreme painful year and trial that you kind of go, where is my hope? Where is the anticipation? Where is the excitement in life? The Old Testament, as we begin to look at the Old Testament, what I love about it is a journey of mankind, uh, uh, the journey of mankind trying to see and discover the purposes of God, to see the hope that was there. We can see this anticipation as we look through the storyline of the Old Testament. We see the path that God designed and he began to unfold, but we can also see how blinded humanity was as they journeyed through it. How many times are we blinded by the circumstances around us? Today, you and I have the privilege that we can look back at the story. We can look back at the journey of the Old Testament. We can look back at the thousands of years of longing and anticipation, of flickers of hope that were there, but yet it took forever for it to be fulfilled. And today, you may be feeling like your life is filled with drudgery. But can I tell you, there is hope. There is hope. Genesis chapter 1, we see... Verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Today, when we think of this idea of darkness, it is actually symbolic of chaos. When I say darkness, or you, uh, when I say darkness, what is it that you think of? What is it that comes to your mind? Is it blackness, a deep hole, a dark tunnel, absence of light, the presence of evil, depravity, confusion, hopelessness, godlessness? As a result of darkness, we often can feel cold and alone and frightened. Unable to see, isolated, we feel shameful, we feel hopeless. How many have ever felt any of these things? This word hopelessness is actually defined as a state of despair, lacking all hope. Today, when we think of hope and hopelessness, the contrast is shocking. That some are here today with hopelessness and some are here today with hope and anticipation and an excitement. When I think about darkness today in our world, not just the physical darkness, but the depravity of mankind, I realize that today that there are so many that have been impacted by, by darkness in our culture today. Impacted from a distance, impacted from watching it on the news, but some of us have been impacted personally. You say, Pastor Kevin, how have we been impacted? Some have had their lives torn up by drugs and alcohol. Some have encountered homelessness. Some have experienced poverty. 
encountered violence, become addicted to pornography. They've been victims of racial prejudice. They've experienced sorrow and they've experienced depression. Today, the high anxiety that is permeating our culture. Maybe you are in or come from a broken home that's filled with strife and anger. Maybe you've encountered a sickness that there is no cure. Maybe you are facing yourself or you know someone that is facing this idea of gender confusion. Maybe you've lost someone very important to you this year, death. Maybe you're approaching this Christmas season and there's a lack of finances and you feel hopeless. I know that there's been seasons in my life where this next one of uncertainty of what do I do and where do I go and who am I and what's going to happen and God, where are you? As I look around our world today, it is marked by anger. It's marked by fear. And I ask you once again, how many have ever felt hopeless? How many are entering this season of Christmas lacking hope? I want to remind you today that there is a thrill of hope. And hope has a name and hope has a mission. And today I want to look at, real quickly at four points about this mission of hope. Number one, the mission of hope promised. You know, when we think about the mission of hope promised, hope was an idea. Everybody say an idea. It was only something that they could look towards. It was something that they was prophesied. It was in the middle of darkness that this, how many realize that the idea of hope brings hope? That as you begin to anticipate hope, you begin to change your perspective and see something different. And I ask you today, what do you hope for? What are you hoping for? Is it health in a relationship? Is it health in your physical body? Is it a marriage? Is it finance? Is it a vacation? Is it children? Is it retirement? Is it a house? The list could go on and we could go to emotions. Maybe you're longing and hoping for peace. Maybe you're longing and hoping for joy. What I've realized in my life is that hope is a powerful thing. Hope inspires inspires me to do the impossible. Hope helps me face the difficulties today, anticipating what's tomorrow. When we think about this idea of hope being promised, this idea of hope, I want you to realize that hope was promised, but there was a long waiting period. Genesis chapter one, verse, or chapter three, verses 15, is where we first see the glimmer of hope. We first see the, the projection of prophecy that there is a hope that is to reveal. I want you to realize today that in this process of waiting for hope, from Genesis chapter three to Matthew chapter one, there were 76 uh, generations had passed. 76 generations. When we begin to look at that and prolong that out, we can see a projection from anywhere of 3,500 years to 5,500 years. Talk about waiting for hope, an idea of hope, this mission foretold and set in motion. Can I tell you that it was never intended to just be an idea? It was never just a follow-up plan. It wasn't a plan B. It was always God's plan A. 
And he was wanting people to look forward, to anticipate. Aristotle said this, hope is waking up from a bad dream. How many have had a bad dream and you wake up with the sweaty body and you're wondering what is reality and what's not reality? Of being startled in circumstances. The hope after a bad dream is that it's not reality, that that was just something you thought about in your psyche. There is something greater, something better. I love probably one of my favorite scriptures for the Christmas season, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. It says that people walking in darkness, have seen a great light. You say, Pastor Kevin, that's not a great light. I want you to remember that this is a prophecy that is being foretold. And to them, it was a glimpse. It was a glimmer. Just as the candle flickers, there was this hope that was there. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land, deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Just like this candle flickers, their hope flickered. 76 generations of prophecy foretold, 76 generations and thousands of years that passed, there was a longing and a desire in the middle of darkness of sin and error pining, longing for a redeemer, longing for a savior. Hope was an idea. My favorite part of the day is morning. I love waking up when it's dark, not too early. But my favorite part of the day is when you're out for a walk or you begin to see just the glimmer of light peeking over the mountains. You see that the colors and the tinge and the outline of the mountain in the distance. And if you stand there long enough, you're going to see the progressive light that begins to rise. And we call it dawn. This anticipation. What I love about the morning is that I know light is coming. I know there is a new day ahead, that there is something that I can anticipate. Isaiah is writing here, and he's going, there is a new day. Begin to look at the horizon. Begin to look and see that there is a shadow of light that's coming. There is newness that is there. The reason we read Isaiah's prophecy each year during Christmas is because seeing this faithfulness of God in the past gives hope for the future. Knowing that God was there and it was an idea. And you may not have encountered that idea, but how many know that when you encounter the idea of hope, somewhere it gives you hope? So the mission of hope was promised. And then the mission of hope was realized. Hope was no longer just an idea, but hope was a reality. It was not until hundreds of years later that the Gospels record Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Not only was the birth of Jesus promised, but the promise came to pass. It became this reality. Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I don't know, have you 
seen the face of Christ? Maybe not physically, but spiritually. Have you encountered the glory of God? Let light shine out of the darkness. Let light shine out of the darkness. Can I tell you, Jesus came to give us hope. Let me read you the story, Luke, starting in Luke. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel of Nazareth to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. A descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will, be, will give him the throne of his, father, of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary said, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the most high will overshadow you, so the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Matthew chapter 1, this is how the birth of Jesus and Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not command, consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Luke chapter 2, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who had pledged, was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to, his first, to, their, to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And, because, uh, and they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news with great joy for all people. Today in the town of, uh, of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and to earth peace to all those, to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the manger when they had seen him. They spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. Matthew chapter two, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. When the King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with them, when he was called together, the people of the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where, were the, where this Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets have written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will become a ruler who will be the shepherd, uh, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exact, the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I too can worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went, over, went ahead of them until I, it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his, mother, with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We hear in this story, the story of a reality an anticipated flickering candle in the distance that took thousands of years to come to pass eventually became a reality. At the heart of Christmas is hope. Can I tell you at the heart of God's mission, there's hope? There is hope for our lives. Point number three, the mission of hope with us. The idea of hope, the reality of hope, and then the constant presence of hope. You say, Pastor Kevin, I wish I had this hope all the time. I wish there was an anticipation that was there all the time. Well, can I tell you, there's a promise in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, behold, a virgin shall be, a, be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Today, it's not just an idea. It's not just a reality of over 2,000 years ago. It's a reality that God is with you and God is with me. That there's this idea, more than an idea, the fact that God is with us. Everyone say with me, God with me. God. One more time, God with, me. God with me. I don't know where you're at in your stage of life. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. But can I tell you today that if you've not encountered this God of God with me or God with you or God with us, that he wants to be that God with you. John chapter one, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He moved into the neighborhood. It says that he pitched his tent among us, that he made his dwelling among us. What I love about this idea of hope is that this hope is not an exclusive hope. This hope is an inclusive hope. 
When we think about God with us, God with me, Jesus did not just come to be with a, a one group of people. He didn't come with one, with one nationality in mind. He didn't come for one social class of people in mind. He didn't come for just one gender. He didn't come for one political group. Ultimately, the whole mission of hope was for all mankind. That all of us, that God would dwell with us. That God would move into the neighborhood, move into our lives. That we would be impacted on a daily basis with this hope. Can I tell you today that the hope that I'm talking about is a hope for today. It's not just a hope for tomorrow. It wasn't just a hope for thousands of years ago. It's a hope today that you and I can encounter. When we think of an anticipation and a great expectation, can I tell you that you today can live in that hope? That you can today can experience the thrill of hope and live in that thrill of hope. It's more than a Christmas stocking. We're hanging our lives not on a stocking holder, but on the reality of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Point number four today, last point. Not only was hope an idea, not only was it a reality, not only is hope inclusive and it's this continual presence in our lives, but lastly, the mission of hope fulfilled. Hope is a future. I don't know if you are here today and going, well, what about tomorrow? Pastor Kevin, what if, da-da-da-da-da-da. How many are humanity today that ask the what-if questions? Well, you know, today is actually a good day, but what about tomorrow? I can find hope today, but what about hope tomorrow? What, is, what, what about my life tomorrow? What if it doesn't turn out the way that I hoped it would or thought that it would. I want you to fast forward 33 years after this message of God with us. We see the final battle for hope. I say final battle because it was the concluding battle that won everything that we can hang our lives upon. Titus chapter 2, Paul writes, he says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. When we think about hope, there is an anticipation of hope for the future. There's an anticipation of hope, not today, that hasn't been fulfilled, not for 33, not 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. But we're talking about a hope of eternity, the blessed hope when Jesus returns to take home his family. I want to tell you today that Jesus has come to give you hope. Jesus has come to give me hope. Today, before I close out this service, I want to give you an opportunity. I don't know everybody in this room. Today, you may be saying, Pastor Kevin, I don't have hope. Pastor Kevin, I once discovered hope. Pastor Kevin, I once did this religious thing. Today, I want to invite you more to, and introduce you more to, more than religion, I want to introduce you to a relationship. If what you did before did not bring hope, you were doing it wrong. You say, Pastor Kevin, well, that sounds, 
that sounds corrective. No, today what I want you to do is in salvation, we don't do anything but receive. In religion, we work. In salvation, we receive. In religion, we strive. And today I want to introduce you, I want to invite you into this idea of hope. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed around this room, if you're here today and you've not discovered hope and you're longing for hope, would you let me introduce you to hope today? Anybody here this morning that would be willing to raise your hand and say, Pastor Kevin, would you pray with me? Pray with me for hope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, around this room, you see hands that have gone up. Their lives feel hopeless. Their circumstance, the circumstances of life feel dark and chaotic. And God, today I pray that as you come into their situation and into their circumstances, would you invade the darkness? Would you reveal yourself in the midst of darkness? We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Gordon Hinckley, he said, there's no need for Christmas if there was no Easter. Pastor, I heard a statement the other day talking to believers in Christ. And they, always, they go, I always hate it that, you, that people combine Christmas and Easter together because they're two separate holidays. Can I tell you in reality, they're two separate holidays, but they're one continuous event. Today, we can celebrate Christmas and we can see what this baby boy did on this earth. But it was 33 years later that he actually paid the price of why he came. Pay the price that you and I can encounter the hope that we can encounter today. And today, communion reminds us of this hope. Communion reminds us of hope. If you have your emblems today, if anybody does not have an emblem, would you raise your hand? I want to make sure that we get an usher will come to you and we'll get it to you. But if you take your emblems with me this morning. But communion reminds us of hope. Matthew 26, 26 through 29, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when they had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. This idea of hope being a future, that when we come and we partake, we're partaking of a hope that was, we're partaking of a hope that is, but we're partaking of a hope that will come. That there will be a day that we will partake with Jesus once again, all in person, and it's gonna be called eternity. Today, if you would take your emblems with me, hold out your bread as we consider this, just as Jesus said to his disciples. He said, this is my body that is broken for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you sent hope into our lives. Jesus, we thank you that you were obedient, obedient to the point of death on a cross, to the point of hopelessness that we 
could encounter hope. That we could not just encounter, but we could walk in hope. And today, we thank you for this emblem of the broken, broken body. And we partake of it today in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. In the same way he took the cup, he said, this is my blood that is shed for you. This is where we can drink hope and life into our lives. God, today we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. That as he died on that cross, as he shed his blood for us, we can have cleansing from our sin, that there can be a hope of life without sin, a hope of life without the consequences of darkness and hopelessness. And God, today we thank you for this. Jesus, we thank you that you are obedient to the point of death on a cross. That as you shed your blood, you cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Let's partake together. Can I tell you today, the thrill of hope is in a baby being born. The thrill of hope is in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. The thrill of hope is the idea and the anticipation that there is an eternity beyond this planet. I don't know about you, but do you realize that earth is not heaven? As magnificent as it might be, and you like the things on this earth, as we've been surrounded by darkness, can I tell you that there is a hope of a future and an eternity without sin and the cost of that sin? There's a hope that we will walk with Jesus. That it's Emmanuel, God with us on this planet right now, but there is this hope that we will be with him. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want us to sing, oh come let us adore him. When you think about the hope that you've encountered, would you declare your adoration of him and the hope that he's given?
our prayer over you this morning. I believe is a benediction prayer that Paul prayed over the church in Rome. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, he says, may, the, may God, the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him. God, today as these words were declared by Paul over church, I declare them today over Relevant Life Church, over every person. May God, the source of all hope, God, would you fill every person in this room with your joy, with your peace, through this faith that we place in you. And God, today you know everybody's story. You know everybody's situation. You know every battle that they are facing. And God, you know, you know the hopelessness that each of them have encountered and may possibly be encountering. God, today we invite you to be the hope of our lives. God, not only do we invite you, but God, we wanna make a point of making you that hope. So God, fill us, fill us today. God, may you be glorified in our homes over this holiday season. God, as we walk out our traditions, as we walk out our celebrations, God, I pray that you would be the center of all of those things. And God, we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen. <coughs> Again, if you're here today visiting, we would love for you to fill out a connection card. If you drop it in the, in the green box back there or hand it to an usher, we would really love to get better acquainted with you. Today, our prayer team is around the front. Maybe you need prayer in a hopeless situation. Maybe you need prayer for a hopeless situation. Would you let them pray for you today? I just want to declare one more time, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have an amazing, amazing holiday season. Enjoy your family. Enjoy time together. Remember that next Sunday we only have one service at 10 o'clock here at this campus. You will not want to miss it. It is a team teach, and we're going to come together as a preaching team and just each have a point, and you're, not, you're going to want to be part of that. God bless you. Have a merry, merry Christmas. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.